0: Good afternoon. So good to have your company. We are into it with finance today. Stephen Pritchard, good afternoon and welcome along for another week. Hi, Dave. Now we're taking a look at the commodities. How do the markets stand at the
1: moment? Well, the commodities are pretty similar to last week. I mean, the gold price was up a little bit to 0.68% to $1,786 an ounce. The the gold trend um, in Australian dollars anyhow continues to go up, which is why the gold stocks continue to have a good run. Um, Their silver price was up almost 1% to $26.91 Australian. uh, And the tin price was up um, to $23,647 a tonne. And on the uh, currencies, um, despite the uh, fall in um, the interest rates announced by the Reserve Bank on Tuesday, the Australian dollar was up one point three percent to twenty uh, to uh, sorry seventy six point eight US cents, fifty seven point one Great British pence, one point oh six New Zealand dollars, and. 0.68 euro cent. so the australian dollar continues to strengthen against yeah, all the yeah. all the major currencies which is a bit surprising but which is car- not really what they want it to do no, the reserve banks stated that you know that, that, that they want to get the, risk, the Australian dollar down, and and you would have thought it should have been falling, but 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 it's not. Um, the the equities markets were generally uh, down around the world, including here in Australia. We're back down to five thousand five hundred fifty one points, which is down one point three one point one percent on the week. Um, the Dow Jones was down about half a percent to eighteen thousand three hundred fifty five. Um, the UK index was down one point seven. Um, to uh, 6,634, which is almost back to where it was before the Briggs vote. Um, mm-hmm. And um, the Nikkei was down 3.4% to 16,083. And the Hang Seng was down, uh, which is the Hong Kong index, was down uh, 2% to 21,739. Um, the West Texas Intermediate Crude was down 9% on the week. Right to $51.93 so, so that's quite a, a large fall and the fuel prices in Newcastle, the unleaded price was um, nine, which was down 5.2% on the week and in Sydney was six, which was down 10.6% on the week um, and the diesel price was down 2.7% on the week to $1.19 a litre and in Sydney it's $1.15 a litre Okay. So that's probably what we've got on those. So there's no really major changes, except the surprising thing is the A dollar continues to rise.
0: Mm. To when you are one hundred three point seven Finance Today with Stephen Pritchard. Now
1: the big news, probably in the late 40, last forty eight hours, has been the RBA lowering the interest rate. Yeah, the, the RBA came out on Tuesday afternoon and lowered the uh, the cash rate, which which wasn't unexpected given the um, the, four, the CPI numbers earlier two weeks ago, when the CPI index was down to uh, zero point four percent, annually um, below the target rate of two percent. But what, what what has been surprising, is, of course, is the big large banks have um, not decided not to pass on the interest rate hmm. cut and um, despite some pressure of the government and they're claiming that um, what they're going to do instead is increase the rate they're paying to depositors. Will, um, will they eventually
0: pass that on? Are they just sort of spinning wheels and waiting for the time or will they not pass that on? Uh, I, I, think,
1: I think if you go through um, the interest rate cuts that have been made to the cash rate and the cuts that, that have occurred... Um, to the home loan lending rate, I think you'll find that the banks have um, been slowly increasing their margins. Um, So I think the answer is no, they won't be passing. If they don't pass it on now, I doubt if they will be passing it on. Um, That upsets the government? I think it upsets the government, and I think the the purpose of the Reserve Bank um, dropping interest rates was probably to uh, stimulate demand um, and... and, um, uh, if by, by not cutting the interest rate, it's not going to have that effect. So, um, you know, if the next um, CPI figures are, are still low, you might find that there's a further cut in the interest rates. But the, the problem is, of course, is that uh, unless, the, unless the government, you know, starts to impose some legislative restrictions, there's, there's, there's not much they can do to make the banks cut their rates. Mm. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if the deposit rates uh, go up for those people who've got money invested. I'm sure they'll be quite happy to see their deposit rates go up uh, uh, 25 basis points or so. But uh, I haven't kind of noticed that happening no. yet.
0: Now, Stephen Rio, they've reported their lowest earnings since 2004.
1: Yeah, I mean, as we spoke about before, um, uh, the Rio, um, Rio and BHP, I mean, the big resource miners or the big mining companies, um, um, Rio and Two two big um, things that generate their profits is the the coal and iron ore. Well, the iron ore prices have um, uh, fallen dramatically. Um, Rio has attempted to compensate for that by producing more and more iron ore and that's had the effect of course of uh, pushing the prices down even lower so it now appears that what they're going to do is change tack on that previous strategy and um, reduce the production of the iron ore and hopefully prices will go up and restore their profits i mean and quite frankly i thought it was silly to start with when the prices are falling you're producing more and more i mean what they were just trying to do was to to squeeze out some of the other um Producers, but but um, unfortunately Fortescue for them rather, but fortunately for Fortescue shareholders, seems to have been able to lower its cost base faster than Rio, and um, it's now talk that Fortescue now has a lower cost base than Rio, so um, Rio's strategy seem to be have been past three since been flawed, and um, they're, they're they're abandoning it for to try something else. But I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see those iron ore prices at, at what they were. For a long time, and you know you're going to need a pickup in the chinese construction, and I don't think that's going to you know, occur either for a long time
0: now, the other side of the earnings coin is a booster earnings for Forex.
1: yeah, well what happened with uh, that the last quarterly earnings so the preliminary quarterly earnings was was announced at the osfx uh, eight. Forex AGM this week. And and basically, a a lot of Oz Forex uh, earnings, uh, all of their earnings, come from trading positions. And apparently, with the uh, BREX exit, there was a considerable increase in trading volumes on Oz Forex, so much so that the quarterly earnings is up 11.4%. Now, they did make an interesting comment there as well that they're expecting (coughs) that come the US election, their trading volumes are going to increase um, considerably again. So uh, they're expecting that profits will uh, will uh, uh, increase then. So it would appear to be, And for the listeners who don't know, Osforex provides a trading platform to buy and sell um, um, foreign currencies, mm-hmm. um, predominantly the the major currencies. I imagine the U.S. Um, the U.S. dollar mm-hmm. and the. British pound and but other countries around well, the world and the the margins they're charging uh, are considerably less than what you can get from the banks. And as I spoke to you before, one of the things you need to worry about when you when you're swapping foreign exchange, it's not so much the commission you need to look at; it's the actual exchange rate they're giving you. Because what you're doing is you're actually dealing as principal, and you know you just got to go along Baymont Street and a couple of banks are side by side there. And there's a huge difference in the rate that they're willing to deal on. You, you might save, uh, instead of paying 1% commission, you might, you might save half a percent, but it's more than made up on the margin.
0: Now, Stephen, uh, what about a share market debut for Viva Energy?
1: Yeah, Viva Energy owns a lot of um, the service station sites around Australia. And so what they've done is they've wrapped them up into a property trust. And that listed on the stock exchange uh, yesterday. And it came on at a 16% um, uh, premium to the issue price. And the forecast yields about 5.9%. So, you know... It's probably a solid, a solid yield performer. Um, you not know, petrol stations all around Australia, two point four billion. It's not the actual petrol station business; it's just the property which is which is leased to Shell and some other operators. Um, so it's probably a reasonably solid business for those people looking for a, a income. I, I don't think you'd expect a very spectacular term, uh, you know, capital growth. But you know, five point nine percent income yeah. isn't nothing to be sneezed at. At the current times,
0: yeah. Now, Horizon. Tell us what's been happening with them.
1: Horizon's the uh, the, Queen, the old Queensland freight um, rail freight company that were, had some previous name, then they changed to, to this uh, this trendy name that, that that really doesn't mean anything. But anyhow, they they, they 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 basically got the freight lines in Queensland and they carry all the freight in Queensland, particularly mm-hmm. coal. Um, they they had a joint venture at Morebank in Sydney with a company called Cube Logistics, and the plan was to build this. Uh, intermodal interchange between uh, freight and shipping and road transport. Um, they've decided to uh, sell their third of that to Cube uh, for $98.9 million, and they've made a reasonable profit on that and there's talk that they're either going to make a capital return or increase uh, their dividend with the proceeds. So of uh that so so people who are looking at um for uh income might care to keep an eye on what's happening at horizon what about reckon limited what now, about reckon reckons a software uh, reckons a software uh, a vendor so so to the accounting profession you now there's three major ones there's zero which we've spoken about before myb and Reckon. now reckons the only one that's actually making any money um zero and myb are losing money they were. they may have changed in the, the next accounts that come out shortly. Uh, but Reckon's decided to sell one of their products, their uh, desktop super product, which lets you do accounts for superannuation fund to a an AMP subsidiary, AMP uh, Super Concepts. Um, this just shows there's continuing um, consolidation in the, the financial services uh, software industry. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens. Reckon was also at one stage looking for people to buy the whole company. Mm. So uh, um, see what happens there.
0: Now, bigger cheese of one, a good contract
1: well you know um Be- bega cheese has won a a good contract or well, won a contract to supply Woolworths well, with their own brand cheese um and murray goldman's lost it um it came from murray goldman so we're kind of playing pass the parcel here now you wonder if really if there's any margin in this for bega i mean they've, they've won this contract um murray goldman's lost it um it would have all been on price, I imagine, um, and you wonder whether, you know, sure, yes, there's going to be a lot of volume in this, but is there any margin in it for Bega? So any mm. time will tell on that. Um, but Bega has got some... is a good company. It's got some, that high-margin business with uh, Blakemore's um, for infant formula, which is taking a while to, to develop, but I'm sure in time that that, that will be a good export. More than the anything, trisinger.
0: do you imagine it firms up the relationship
1: with Woolworths for Bega cheese? Um, well, be, well. Woolworths are going to be more dependent on them to supply in the cheese, but mm-hmm. once, you know, there's three other, there's two other cheese suppliers, so I mean, yeah. 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 Um, you you have to wonder if people know that the cheese is coming from Bega, and there's a Bega branded cheese next to it that's selling for more than the Woolworths <laughs> branded. Are you going to buy the Bega brand or the Woolworths brand? It's a two-edged sword with you this. You might be labor. the same thing, but just saving sure, you're some money. The same yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Now, what so about... we might get a taste test when it comes? We'll like
0: have that. to do that. I don't mind the cheese. We can bring some of that in. We'll, we'll yep. do that. Uh, what about some gas opportunities?
1: Yeah, well, there's supposedly this east, looming East Coast gas shortage, which 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 is interesting because there's this gas glutting Queensland with the LNG refineries up there and, and and in Asia, and we're supposedly having this East Coast gas shortage, and yet we've got this natural this national gas grid. Mm. Um, so so you would have thought that the price of natural gas should actually be falling in New South Wales, but anyhow, it's not. So um, Seven, Seven Group, which owns twenty three percent of Beach Energy, has decided that it wants to invest further in gas resources to take opportunities that may arise in New South Wales. Um, they, they, they haven't done that well on their beach investment. They were buying the shares at over a dollar. They're down to they were down to fifty, say cents at one stage to back up to around mid seventies, I think. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And then on Petro, uh, there's a number of Bloomberg did a research of analysts around the world and came up with a survey that they expect the price of oil to be fifty seven dollars a barrel next year, which is which is US, which is considerably higher than than what it is, what it is now. Yeah, so it's around the forty something US. Um, so you're talking about almost a fifty percent increase in oil. So that will be interesting to see what happens. And RCG, which has been one of the good performers on the Australian share market of the last year, it's up about forty-seven percent. Um, they they own a number of these. Um uh, footwear retail stores such as athletes foots etc and um, as I said the price has been well the stocks performed well and they've decided to have a management reshuffle to um, to strengthen their management um, it's one of these stocks that no one kind of ignore everyone kind of ignores and all of a sudden it appears on the radar when there's a big price increase so that might be might be one for people who appreciate uh, uh, athlete footwear to keep an eye on all right from Kitara.
0: Good afternoon, Alex. Good afternoon, um, Hi, Alex. Got a question for Stephen. Look, Stephen, I'd like to say that um, I listen to your show every week and find it very informative.
1: Thanks, Alex.
0: Now, my question is about the recent interest rate cut.
1: Yes, Alex. What
0: effect that will have on my investments?
1: Well, it depends what you're invested in, Alex. Because the the interest rate cut, um, the banks, what the banks are saying is that the interest rate. Uh, cuts not going to be passed on to uh, borrowers. Um, they're going to use it to pay additional returns on the depositors. So if you're if you've got someone who's got um, um, deposits with the bank, um, you'd expect that um, if what they're saying is correct, you'd expect that the the deposit rate would go up by uh, 25 basis points. So you'll get a higher return on there. Um, the the you that being the case, if they're not going to pass on the cuts to um, business as well, which in the past they haven't done anyhow, you would expect that there's really no effect to the uh, share market. And, you know, if the deposit, if the rates aren't, the cuts aren't also being passed on to uh, consumers, um, one of the reasons I, I think the Reserve Bank actually um, cut rates was to increase um, demand for, in the consumption economy for, um, you know, people to go out and spend more in the shops and boost um, demand and employment. Um, that's not going to happen if the banks are going to pass the money on to the deposits. So I, I wouldn't be rushing in to buy... Um, uh, retailers on the exp or, or consumer stocks, on the expectation that the, there's going to be increased demand because it's not going to be there, so I think that from, a, from an investment point of view, the only person from an investor who's going to do well out of the uh, interest rate cut that's going to be passed on in the form of uh, increased deposit rates is someone who's got deposits in the the local bank building society or credit unit. Very good. So I'd be asking them, when am I going to get my extra 25 basis points paid <laughs> on the interest rate? Because that's what they've told the government in today's financial review. Oh. So you could take that down and ask them. I certainly will. Okay. Thanks, Alex. Okay. Thank you very much. Two a new RFM 103.7, Stephen
0: Pritchard's here, Finance Today. We're talking about choosing a super fund. Now, Stephen, there's lots of super funds.
1: There's lots of super funds and what there's lots of advertisements for? at the moment. Yeah, what are we looking so, for? So we'll just go through the super funds. There's the, there's the public offer funds and, and there, there's a couple of different types of those. There's the public offer funds, which were um, for profit funds, and they're basically run generally run by people such as AMP and... Uh, and the big banks. And what, what they're set up to is to provide a profit to AMP and the big banks. Um, then there's uh, public offer not-for-profit funds, and they, they, these um, generally occurred in, um, started as industry-type funds, but there, there are a few other funds that are not-for-profit funds around as, as such as um, the local NSF fund. That's a not-for-profit fund. And they, they are set up for the benefit of members. And, of course, then there's... Um, the self-managed superannuation funds, which you can set up your own. And of course, and as we spoke to earlier, there's still some of these old um, defined benefit funds. Now, if you're in one of these old defined benefit funds, I was very careful before I did anything because they usually provide the best benefits of Mm -hmm. the lot. I mean, um, the one in New South Wales... Benefits were so generous it was sending the state broke and it had oh. to be shut down. But, you know, if you're a member in one of these old defined benefit funds, I'd be very careful before I made any changes to that and, and it needs to be thoroughly investigated. So what, 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 what you need to do when you... So there's lots of choices out there. Yeah. And you need to sit down and think what you want the fund to do. And, you know, there's different funds and different choices and different levels of fees. And it's not always the case that the fund with the... I know there's a lot of advertising at the moment, but it's not always the case that the fund with the cheapest fees is the one, the, fund, the best fund for you or the fund you actually want. So... Um, the fees pay for different things, and and if we're just talking about um, straight return on the investment, um, it's more important to look at what the, your 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 return after fees was than what the level of fees were. For example, if you if you've got a, a, a if you've got a um, investment two identical investment one fund charges, for example, uh no fees and at the end of the year you put $100 in and you've, you've got um, $102 and you've got another fund that for example might charge 10% which is extremely high but, and at the end of the year you've got $105, uh, in this example you, you're better off going for the one that charges you the 10% because what really matters to you is the return after fees. Um, and then there's a the level of service that the fund provides. Different funds provide different levels of service and it depends on what you want. Um, some some funds have um, a financial planning service attached. Um, some of those will, will provide you with uh, free financial planning services mm-hmm. and others will charge you a fee for that. Um, and then investment options. Now, investment options can be very expensive for the fund to run. So the more investment options the fund's got the more expensive it's going to be. Standard investment options in a fund, it's pretty common to have a, a cash, fixed interest, a balance, and a Australian shares and a high growth. But a lot of the funds, public offer funds, are now going to a, to a type of a wrap-type investment menu option where you can invest in um, directly in the shares on the Australian Stock Exchange rather than managed funds and a large menu of managed funds. Those type of funds will be more expensive to run and charge you more fees than than a simple fund that has you know four or five pooled investment options. Is there risk involved with some funds? Oh, there's risk involved in all funds. Yeah. All funds. Are, all funds have got investment risk. Uh, a superannuation fund is just a uh, a tax structure to hold your investments in. You get tax advantages. Are some more safer than others? Then. Oh. They're all regulated by APRA, so you would expect that the risk of the fund's the same, but the investment risk is also the same. So if you, if you hold a share out, say, for example, you hold some BHP shares in your superannuation fund and you hold some BHP shares outside of your superannuation fund, the risk on those two parcels of BHP shares is exactly the same. The risk you've got, the other layer of risk you've got in the superannuation fund is the, the, the corporate governance and managing the fund. Um, And all the public offer ones are regulated by APRA, Um, the self managed superannuation funds. um, You're the trustee, so if anything goes wrong, you've only got yourself to blame, really. So, can you give a
0: tip on what we should be mindful of when when looking?
1: One of the big things you need to look, and this is very important if you're going to change funds, don't change your insurance component until the new fund accepts the risk. Okay. People will exit the old fund, not get the insurance in place. Something happens in the meantime, and they've got no insurance. Um, you need to look at what type of insurance you need to cover and what the premiums are as well.
0: Great tip. Thank you for today.
1: Thanks, Dave. As always, Finance Today with Stephen
0: Pritchard here at 2NURFM. Back with you from midday next Thursday.